0: This This is Silicon Reel, the video podcast dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. I am Brian Rose. I also host London Reel, which is a similar but longer uh, trialogue format that has uh, guests like writers, politicians, drug smugglers cage fighters.
1: Drug
0: users? Drug users, probably. I don't even know, don't know about, about it. This, but right? Yeah, they, they, they don't use on the show, Okay. So not that I know of. Um, my co-host today is Mr. Colin Pyle, who I met on London Real. Um, he comes to London via Toronto, China, and India. He's got all sorts of crazy stories about motorcycle rides and world records. He's also an entrepreneur here in London. You're here to stay, is that right?
1: Here to stay. Just got back from Toronto and here to stay.
0: Nice to have you back, by the way. Yeah. Um, awesome, and uh, this is part of. This was uh, really Colin's idea to do Silicon Reel. This is episode five. We're really pumped to do it. Um, the uh, silent partner is not here. Is uh, Bryce Keene of the Three Beards? If you don't know these guys, they run the Silicon uh, Drinkabouts, which I'm sure you've been to. Cool. Um, it's every Friday night in the in the uh, roundabout area. It's drinks. There's, uh, it's pretty much uh, no reservations. You hang out. You have a good time. I've already met tons of people I've been in touch with yeah, email. And it's just great what they're doing. So, uh, so happy to be doing this. And our guest today is Raj Ramanandi. Oh, you like that? Um, who is the CEO at number one seed, which is uh, Silicon Roundabout's only dedicated seed investors in early stage technology.
2: Maybe so, not the only, but yeah. Okay. What at at one key, point but, you were. have well, oh, maybe in Bryce's words, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well,
0: you know that's good. Um, you guys, from what I understand, aim to do five to ten deals per year, where you invest between fifty and one hundred and fifty thousand right. pounds mm-hmm. of your basically your own money, you mm-hmm. and your partner, which is very cool, actually. So you know, you're borderline kind of VC seed mm-hmm. um, in companies that have a product but are pre-revenue. Is uh, that, yeah. Is that about in most right? cases, yeah, it sounds right. And for people who aren't familiar with tech talk, that means. Got no money coming in, <laughs> so um, uh, no cash flow. Yeah, no cash flow. Um, Raj, you previously had, I think, four or five companies, including OddsChecker.com, mm-hmm. Aqua Online, Digital yep. Profits. I yep. think three of them you had successful exits mm-hmm. via IPO or acquisitions. Um, and uh, you, yeah, like I said before, you actually invest your own money. So uh, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Silicon Real. Pleasure.
2: This is awesome. Thanks for having um, me.
0: It's it's very cool to have you, man. Um, you know, I think you're the first guy of this type. That actually comes in and, and and actually spends your own money, and you choose who has the best ideas. And um, and I, when I was researching your company, a lot of articles were saying, finally, London and Europe has someone who is doing this seed, you know, funding. Finally, after the years, and and I was wondering if if. Um, why London has lagged the world when it comes to this? And do you think those days are over? Do you think we're like, we're here now, we're ready to compete with the other centres in the world?
2: Why is London lagging? Uh, I'll come to that later, but I think uh, it's it's rapidly getting better. It's really getting quite interesting in terms of the amount of seed stage capital that's coming into London. Um, bumping into, you know, people have complained about there being plenty of dumb money in the past, people that haven't run startups and haven't been involved with technology companies you know, like a, a dentist or a lawyer that makes a lot of money somewhere else in the country and it's like, okay, what am I going to do with my money? But let's say they're kind of uh, really interested in early-stage technology, we'll put some cash in, but they're looking at the wrong metrics when it comes to um, assessing how a company's doing. So they kind of just don't quite get it. There's nothing wrong with their kind of motivations, but the problem is uh, how they then try and nurture that company has been a problem. And I think London's definitely not got a shortage of capital, but what's really interesting now is as guys um, who have done it before and are kind of coming back and kind of trying to get that loop going of having been there, done it, and putting their own money back into the ecosystem. And that's you know, where Silicon Valley has been incredible because of the huge exits, acquisitions, there's plenty of money to kind of keep that ecosystem flowing and, and they've ridden that for a very
0: long time. Right, they use like their Facebook shares to then invest in the next company and then invest yeah. in the next company.
2: Yeah, and, um, and th- so you know the Valley has been uh, the, uh, the leader And then it's kind of, uh, Israel's been a great uh, ecosystem. New York's really flying. Um, But London certainly, you know, it's getting there. Um, It's probably, you know, I don't know New York very well, but let's say it's two years behind New York and kind of five or 10 years behind the Valley. But uh, it's it's a really um, interesting space right now. Two years ago when I started investing, there were very few guys putting their own money, putting their own money down. And there was probably one dedicated seed stage, Fund, which was Passion Capital, um, and now I would say there are three or four, couple more interesting ones coming up behind. Um, and uh, you know, we recently moved into a new office um, in Clarkenwell called Warner Yard, which is a four-story building. Um, and Textiles, the accelerator program yeah. that are started in Boulder, kind of in f- five or six cities in the in the US, have just moved to London, which is kind of almost rubber stamping London as a scene where something interesting happening if. Textiles want to come here, and so they're in the building. And on the on the top floor is just uh, what they call the capital floor. I like to call the penthouse. Um, <laughs> is just um, three early stage funds and about four or five angel investors that are working out of that floor. And that's really interesting because all these early stage deals are um, typically syndicated deals. So let's, for argument's sake, a typical London seed stage deal is three hundred thousand um, pounds. And you know, very quickly, you can feel that round just on that floor. Um, so so you know, that's mo- a the money trickles of things. down is the yeah, idea, yeah, yeah. So it's a, yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> analogy <laughs> the for, for the building. Yeah, yeah. Where there's kind of money on hmm. the top. How come the
0: money guys are never in the basement? Because <laughs> <you
1: know? laughs> they pay the rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. So the so just to get I mean we always like to get kind of the business models out of the way but mm. I kind of described it in the beginning but you know when you meet someone on the street who has no idea about tech in London how would you describe number one seed?
2: So them? number one seed is so it's, it's you know it's the same model as a venture venture capital firm but they are managing one you know hundred million pounds for a venture capital firm wouldn't be a big fund they're managing you know hundred to five hundred million typically that would be the average ballpark for VCs in the Valley New York London. Germany, Israel—you know—they're they're managing big sums of capital, and so and this is where seed stage investing kind of not happened is because the, those guys—the the cost of them deploying any capital is vast. You know, they have these big sums of capital, partners are earning big sums of cash. Um, it just their models don't allow them to—you know, their their legal fees will be 50, 100 k per deal. So why would they deploy a hundred k seed stage deal when it costs them the same to do the deal? Um, and so the, the the change has been these the angels have kind of fitted the gap, that, that kind of funding gap by you know working lean essentially, so their uh, cost of deploying capital is let's say legal agreement is two, three, four, five k in London. Um, it's a lot more in, actually in the states. Mm-hmm. Your lawyers charge a lot more there, but uh, and that's kind of allowed people to easily access that that space, and then because of that huge funding gap you, you've started to see. Other like entrepreneurial capital guys have seen an opportunity to kind of come in and be professional investors in, in the gap between angels and VCs. So the model is deploying capital, but it's finding a model that's efficient enough for them to say, "All right, these are interesting companies. Let's deploy capital it for it to be cheap enough for them to do that." Um, and the other thing that's allowed this, which we're uh, we're all aware of, is that the, the declining cost of setting up a company is so much yeah. cheaper. You know, ten years ago to to even get your hosting sorted out. You know, I remember, you know, my first company, one of the, one of the things I was tasked with was, you know, bringing clients on and getting their hosting relations put in place. And that was a, that was like a, a big chunky handbook of, okay, who do, who do we have to speak to? What, what needs to happen? And then there was a nice big fat um, cost attached to getting that hosting in place. You know, now it's, you know, any guy can do it. You don't have to be techy to get your hosting sorted out and it's dirt cheap. And so kind of makes sense being leaner, deploying less capital, not having huge offices in uh, Green Park or Mayfair, you know, everyone's in Clark and well or Shoreditch, and uh, a, yeah, the, I think does that explain the model? No, yeah, 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 it, yeah it always does. A, yeah. a,
1: the, from your model, so you've been around for two years. Yeah. You, so you're investing in five, roughly. Five to ten deals a year right. in the last so 15, 16 months we've done 10 deals. Right. So, so at some point. Yeah are you going to need to pull in another angel? Or are so, you going to yeah. start having to exit or sell some shares in companies? Hopefully to... I never have to get another angel yeah, because, yeah, yeah, things are going really well. For, yeah. people um, know,
0: an we for people that don't know, what's an angel and why do we come up with that name?
2: Oh, good question. I don't, yeah. know, where I was, the, don't know where it came from. Yeah, I was trying I don't to think where about where it came from. But if you yeah. had to
0: describe it to someone on the street, what would sure. you say?
2: And so an angel is basically guy or girl that is investing their own capital in... Again, it could be an angel not only in tech. You know, there's. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the series... Dragon's Den here in yeah. the UK, Yeah, Where, so the guys that sit at the... Shark Tank the, in the US. Yeah, United that Shark kind of stuff, yeah. yeah, Shark Tank in the US. So it's someone spending spending their own capital. And it's the first it. round of funding to the place. Uh, interesting question. It's, so, that, so, we, so we break it down into, yeah, <laughs> so there's a uh, friends and family round, which is kind of a really small amount to get you going, and then it's your first move towards a professional round of investment, let's
0: say. I okay. um, understand. Yeah. So, Sarah, so you were saying you might have to get another angel involved. Yeah. Um,
1: because turnaround on
0: these companies, sometimes yeah. can be five got seven three, years. Yeah, so
2: you're looking at, yeah. I think the averages for VCs, have been, right. I think it's like seven, eight years. Yeah, And kind of moving in and out. Um, so five deals like a year,
1: 50 to 150. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know your personal background sure. net worth, but yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, I, I definitely, so I basically put a window of I would be able to do this for two or three years right. at the levels that I'd set out to do. So, um, you know, and some of my companies are doing pretty well. So maybe I'll never have to bring in someone else. But, uh,
1: uh, you know, maybe it's a good problem to have, I guess. If your companies are doing well Mm -hmm. and your money is deployed, then yes, you'll
0: figure it out. Is there any way to monetize shareholder value when you have such a small company, say after three years, when you're looking to exit after seven or eight? Or is it just really hard to do that?
2: There's something called second market. I don't know if you've looked secondary at that. Market. Yeah, secondary yeah. market, where you can sell shares in private companies. Right. Um, I don't know anyone big. that's ever used it. But, uh, I know the
0: Facebook guys were using it pre IPO. Okay. Some yeah, of those things. But they're probably very big companies.
1: Yeah, so for bigger companies. but you might, I guess if you're doing a second raise for a few million, yeah, you might be able to sell some yeah. new shares to those so, people just to liquidate, I guess, some yeah. cash. Yeah, which yeah. would. So, you know, we have. A, so, of
2: the 10 deals we've done, three of them are now you know, doing well and therefore looking to it. You know, that sounds counterintuitive but three of them are doing well and so raising more capital um, which usually means that their valuation has gone up and if we really wanted to that would be an opportunity where okay our money is kind of already enough. done a 5x Um, let's pull it out but typically it's case by case we're we're going to follow that money and stay in the company if we believe right. in it.
0: Okay. The second question yeah. we always ask about business model is quite simply, why will you win? Mm-hmm. And what what makes number one Cedars uh, different from the from the rest? I think yeah. part of it is your background you mentioned, uh-huh. but yeah, what makes you guys unique in the space? I,
2: but yeah, I think we're backing ourselves in a sense is that our ability to um, not not particularly help, but kind of just look someone in the eyes and kind of figure out whether that's a right that's an entrepreneur that's going to take. This company or the next company somewhere really interesting and and take an idea and turn it into a business, Um, which is kind of you know that early stage piece is a bit that whether I'm doing it myself or working alongside someone else doing it, I'm kind of addicted to that bit. Um, It's you know I've been involved in companies that have grown beyond that. I've set up companies that have kind of grown beyond it, and kind of once it gets beyond ten employees, I'm I'm getting a bit bored Hmm. because the buzz of that that the the fear and the risk is kind of gone, and also you have to start putting in process and mm. uh, it's execution time. It's like, yeah, a lot of paperwork. that's it's like yeah, let's make this <laughs> yeah. uh, less chaotic, and that's when I start getting a bit bored. But uh, but but I'm backing myself to know to help there
1: and kind of see that in someone else. Um, How many hours are you spending on each project? Do you think is it really hands on or are you, yeah, yeah, it's really hands on
2: you know, that's kind of been a, a bit of a problem actually. We got to a stage where, so at about seven or eight deals, my full-time job was helping the portfolio. Right. Um, and so I was, there was a, a, a fine balance between bringing in new deal flow, because, uh, yeah, and I'll ex- explain, and helping the, the teams out. So, um, so I co-invest with my co-founder of 10 years. We met at OddsChecker as part of the founding team. He's a technical guy and I'm on the commercial side, um, which is great because he can help out on that side of things mm. uh, where I have no clue. And and I'm gonna help out with marketing, strategy, sales, fundraising, those kinds of things. And that's something that they're always going to be dealing with um, at those early stages. So it's, it's been more hands on than I th- actually thought it would be, but, which is great because I love it. But in order to bring on another 10 deals, kind of I've set myself a, a target of being able to do, of doing 15 or 20 deals, kind of spread that risk. Um, something had to change.
0: Do you ever get tired of hearing a pitch? I was just thinking when Roger's coming over here, I'm like, You know, I was in the dot-com startup in 99 in New York, and I remember I was pitching, I was at a company called luxuryfinder.com, and we would raise like 20 million to sell like jets online, and this is when nobody knew what e-commerce was, and we had no idea what we were doing. Like, there was no retail experience in this company, and I remember pitching the deal. I was a CFO, pitching, pitching. I pitched my grandma when I would see her. I'd be like, okay, this is what we're trying to do. And I got to be so obsessed with this that it, it, it really started affecting my personality, and... I was wondering if that happens to you, or That's if you get pitched by so many people that you go to the drink about and you're like, I just don't want to talk about business, or yeah. if you got a way where you give people a minute and, and do that. I
2: see it's a recent change where I used to allocate an hour for a meeting, and I was like, this is nuts. Mm-hmm. I just, and I'd stop, I don't know about you, but in any field, if you just allocate yeah. an hour, you end up filling that hour. Yeah. And so first meetings, I've now got down to twenty minutes because I'm gonna I lose interest after twenty minutes realistically. And if you've got an interesting enough story, you can get it across in five, ten, fifteen, twenty minutes to engage me to do a bit more research into the sector or about you guys or speak to someone else that I know that knows that sector.
0: Um, so will you tell people you get twenty minutes? Are you quite do militant yeah, about yeah. it? Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm very, I'm very militant about it. And so. I'm very open to taking meetings because I think that's good for me and, and good for the, the ecosystem for early stage investors to be very accessible. So you know, like this afternoon, one of my meetings was a guy that literally tweeted me saying, what do I need to do to get a meeting with you? He's like, here's Did my it. email address, send me a calendar invite for a Friday, yeah. coming, uh, any Friday coming up. And if I can make it, I'll hit yes. And if I can't, we can reschedule it. Told him it was going to be twenty minutes, and and you know what, it was actually quite an interesting pitch. Right. Um, so we're going to follow up. So it's like send me your, um, send me a bit more detail, and I'll run it past the the rest of the team, and we'll we'll see what what to do. But yeah, you get uh, there's a lot of people that are pitching things where there isn't a fit or there isn't interest on in the sector, or um, it's just been a long day.
0: What? Yeah. What if you're having <laughs> drinks and stuff? Do you just tell people yeah. not now, or do you say just email? Don't pitch me, bro.
2: <laughs> um, I, so uh, when, I got, when I walked in here, I'd just come from a, a panel session where I was one of uh, three or four investors uh, in a room full of 100 people, kind of Q&A with some uh, investors, and we were the pretty much the only investors in the room. So for me to get out of that room was to go through everyone and out the other end, which is not easy when you're in a rush and everyone wants to talk to the few investors in the room. Right. And so the, the, the thing I tell everyone is just, Email me. I'm pretty good on email and uh, send me some details about what you're up to. If it's interesting, we'll hook up a meeting. If it's not, I'll give you feedback to say it isn't or, you know, I've realized there's a a VC out of, uh, formerly in the Valley now in uh, LA called Chris Sacker and he just tweeted something about unless someone comes up with uh, an inbox solution that allows me to answer every email, um, there's going to be a lot of people think I'm a jackass but I I just can't get around to all of these emails, right? And... It's so the same with me. It's like, you know, I immediately retweeted it because it's true. It's not, I'm not an asshole. It's just, sorry, mind the language. But uh, it's, it's, it's not physically possible to get through all of this. And uh, you know, we talked about our model being lean. You know, I, I could probably employ like 10 people to help it's me deal with this flow. But it's like, it just doesn't make sense to deploy that amount of capital. And uh, so things, uh, things get missed. But generally, I'm um, pretty good at uh, Listening to people and giving them that giving them that twenty minutes.
0: And start doing that.
1: Yeah. I agree. how much equity do you normally take in companies? I, I know you know, as a startup often guys just hold their equity so close to their heart yeah. and never want to give it up. So I yeah. just you know, you go to a crowd cube or a crowdfunding site, you get you know, they take this much equity, mm-hmm. you pretty much set it and then take yeah. a bit of cash. What, what's your model in terms so of
2: So it's almost set by the city and the the bracket between C and series A, how much activity there is, and, mm. and that kind of relationship between those is what dictates almost standard terms at the early stage, because and you know, it could be by sector or business model. You know, If you're working on a business that's going to be cash generative very soon, then that's going to skew your valuation. But yeah. if you're uh, going to need to spend a good two years building up a database, and then you might figure out how to monetize it, you're, you're going to be in the bracket with other companies that do that, regardless of whether you're in fintech or food tech, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so, actually, so I, I made a note before the panel session I was going to do it was like, don't you know, make your terms almost standard because it, 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 it needs to be kind of formulaic for guys like us. It's like, look, you're roughly, your valuation is going to have to fit between, you know, I'll label half a million and one and a half million, and there's not going to be much maneuver and the sweet spot's roughly 750 to a million pre pre money and so if they're raising a round of two fifty three hundred you know they're roughly giving away yeah. between fifteen right. and twenty five percent of the company
1: up to thirty percent um, and then it's a case of how big that check is in that round right yeah, but you don't sort of negotiate a little bit larger piece because you get so much more than just the cash so like yeah, that's like, an interesting point. You know, this Your comes to what flag, we're talking. Right? This yeah.
2: comes back to where the, the challenge between doing ten deals and getting being right. hands on and trying to get to twenty. So um, there's a um, uh, what I what I call it a phenomenon. Um, there's a movement, a small movement amongst um, in some of the major startup scenes, New York, um, California, of um, investors creating something called a startup studio. So in uh, the famous one out of New York is BetaWorks. Um, been going for five years and then in California there's idea lab, which has been going for like, I think 15 years, forever, forever 20 years. Yeah. Um, and then more recently in LA, something called science incubator, which is a similar model. And so what these guys have created is, um, rather than just having a fund of cash that they deploy, they have talent in house. So by talent, I mean, doers, right. So developers, designers, marketers, um, PR people, finance people, um, and you know these teams vary in size. So I think Betaworks is, is pretty big now, Science Incubator probably has a team of 20-30 guys, Idea Labs even bigger, um, Berlin has a bit of a scene right now where people are creating startup studios where they deploy capital but they also create their own startups because they've got that in-house talent. So it's like this is an interesting sector, hell we're a talented bunch of people here and we, we can, we've got the skill sets to do everything. Um, in-house and so um, that's what we're at number one seed is essentially uh, in startup language pivoting to create an environment where we do one of uh, sorry one of three things with any ideas we either externally invest just as, as number one seed does right now it's like okay that's a good team they're in an interesting I call the three asses it's a it's a smart ass team uh with a kick-ass product in a big-ass market right so that's
1: <laughs> okay.
2: i'm not going to get involved in that <laughs> so i stole that's stolen from a uh a, a vc in the, in in the valley or new york called jeff Clavier. Mm-hmm. but yeah that, that's it's a three asses rule it's like those are three key things you're looking for when you're going to invest in an external entity right so then you sometimes see uh a guy let's say it, it's it's colin who's like he doesn't have an idea but he's that sounds wrong, but what I mean is he doesn't have an idea he's working on right now, but he's like a really smart entrepreneur, yeah. and we, we get on really well, and I'm like, I, I wanna work with this guy, and he's gonna come up with something really smart, but he doesn't have an idea right now, so it's like, well, I've got the resource, and I can help bootstrap, so why don't we, why don't you come in-house, and we'll work on ideas together, or there's another scenario where Colin has an idea, and his options are, I raise two, three, 400K in the open market. Um, and build a team around me. Or another option is something that we're going to offer is we bootstrap the business and we say, look, here's 100K, but here's access to all my talent. Um, And then if we prove something together, then great, go and raise external capital. um, And we can help you with that because we have all the connections. Um, So number one seed is kind of pivoting into something called the corner shop. which will do all three of those, and uh, pretty cool. excited about yeah. that. That's yeah. very That's interesting. Really cool, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, just a bit back to the equity percentage. Sure. You, you take between twenty and thirty percent so of companies. The, no, no. So,
2: the, 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 all the investors in that round will typically take twenty to thirty percent. And if the round is three hundred and we've put in hundred, we're going to take a third of the thirty percent. So, okay. so that I think our bracket is—you know—we've okay. got taken as little as two or three percent in companies up to about 10 percent in companies okay so place. it's
0: not just your own money you have some other people that you invest yeah with. so
2: a typical like i say a typical seed round in london is about 300k so even if we're um, investing at our maximum ticket size it's it's only half the round okay
0: yeah and you all have this one building over in clerkenwell it's mm-hmm. like four stories tall it's funny i was just over at level 39 in canary wharf yeah. and in a course of an hour i met you know the, the guy that runs at eric I met our guest that was here last week, Tommy, the Nigerian startup guy, he like grabbed me and I was like, whoa. And then I met a former employee of mine at ICAP named James Dawson and some other guy that was working on retail tech where he can track where people are in a retail space based on just where their mobile phone is. And you can see the footprint. Present tool. Yeah, maybe that was. Yeah, it. Okay. That was in Absolutely. an hour. And so I was just, yeah, yeah. everybody in the space, it was really relaxed and we all like shook hands. I'm sure we'll email each other. But powerful. Yeah. I, is, is this where you're pivoting to with number one seed or is there power in having proximity of all these businesses next to the each other? The
2: proximity thing's really interesting because you know, the, the government's really pushed it and a lot of the press have kind of poo pooed the idea of uh, plugging an area and trying to encourage activity in an area. And I was kind of on the fence about it initially, but. And maybe because I was based in West London and I was like, low and, and I mm-hmm. live in West London, it's like, everything That's East London, this is... Oh this is a 45-minute time, yeah. like every time you I want to hang out with, like, a Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's such a pain <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> but um, having finally made the move to uh, East London, to Clerkenwell, I've really seen the value in, in the proximity of investors, startups, lawyers, accountants, whoever it is that kind of feeds the ecosystem, it's like... If if you bump into these guys and you, you have a beer with them or you, when you're grabbing a coffee, you see them, I think that's, you know, that's part of, it's like, you know, it's momentum building, right? Yeah. Um, and, and things happen quicker and think that kind of serendipity. And I, I, think that's, I think that's really helped London that
0: there is, you know, something happening in East London. Is the vibe of the neighborhood that helps a bit, that it's kind of new, it's artistic, people take chances. I mean, you do get a feel sometimes when you're in the West End, it's very old school and BBC-ish and like everything's been yeah. there forever. Yeah. I,
1: the West End, I definitely find more families. You know, what I mean, it, whereas here it's more just younger sort of people doing startup stuff. And I think the startup community, by nature, is I think a, a younger sort of population, especially the tech scene. Just because when you have, you know, a West End mortgage and fam- kids and stuff like that, <laughs> which I don't have.
0: I yeah, not yet. It. Yeah. Um All right, we're gonna go a bit devil's advocate questions. I'm gonna do one. You're gonna ask him something. Sure. But you know, fifty to one hundred and fifty grand. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of money. you know. Obviously, if you're covering the overheads, that makes a, a less of a difference. But man, I could burn through that pretty quick. A yeah. couple salaries, couple of developers, some creative. True. And it, I'm wondering, wh- how do you get by on a, such a small amount of money? And do you think you've missed a few fish in the net over the years because you didn't have that extra three months to get that deal closed or that yeah. extra 20 grand or yeah. that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, I actually rec- recently wrote an article for uh, Wired magazine uh, complaining about just that, I think in London startups don't raise enough money. I think it's a problem. Um, so a, uh, a seed round has is probably averaging like two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand 300,000 pounds in London. Um, but there's been this tax break called SEIS, which mm. is, I don't wanna get too uh, tricky, but it's encouraged basically high net worth individuals to write off some of their um, tax by investing in startups. Um, and and it's, they've capped the the round size for startups raising capital from that source to 150K. So what it's, what it, what it's done is drive in more capital at the earlier stages. At um, smaller amounts. At smaller amounts. Yeah. And so it's the average seed round in, in London, my guess, is coming down because of that tax break. So it's, it's having the effect of giving uh, making it harder for a good startup that should be able to raise three, four, five hundred thousand. It's making it harder because investors are getting used to hmm. terms where they're investing one fifty and they're getting more more bang for their buck essentially right. in the startup, right? Um, so I think it's a bit. Uh, yeah, I think it's a problem. You know, even in uh, LA where I spent all of December and January. Um,
0: um, t- tough life. Primarily yeah.
2: on a break, but um, <laughs> the but I, what I did was like every day I was meeting three to five people in the startup world there. So VCs, angels, startups. There's a lot of accelerators cropping up there, incubate, incubation spaces, and uh, you know I would say LA as a tech startup scene is behind London. Like no no disrespect, but just a little bit behind London. However, a seed stage round in LA is a, a million bucks which is, you know, let's say, the equivalent of a million pounds in London based on cost of living or, or there yeah, or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. So that got me thinking about, you know, why, why so. has that happened? Um, and it's, it's unfair if you're
0: in London raising these smaller amounts. Because, um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but to get that second round, it almost like there needs to be an event to get it, right? It's mm-hmm. a very psychological thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going for a second round. It's not like I just need another 150 on top of my 150. They, they always ask why. Mm-hmm. Like, is that not true?
2: It is true, yeah. So, you know, I think this SEIS bracket should replace a friends and family round that we spoke about earlier, where yeah. people would raise a little bit of money before they have any proof of concept, um, and they need to get convinced their co-founder to quit their job, says, look, we've got 50K in the bank, We can you can pay, you can cover your, your bills at a mo- really basic level, but it gives us a chance, at like a th- small window, three, six... Months to just give this a go, right? And that's where um, you, you prove something out. But what well, the problem is, that the jump from there to 300 is not a big jump, right? And so if the seed round was, was bigger, I think it, it, London would be better off for it, where good startups get more money to really prove something. Because you know, talking about being lean and learning from, learning from the market, if you only have 150K, um, you might learn an awful lot in 11 months, and you burn through 150K, and then you go to your and say, I've cracked it, I know exactly what I need to do, but I need more money. They're not gonna give it to you because you've not proven anything, but
0: yeah.
2: you, you're yeah. trying to convince them you've learned something, but you've got nothing to prove it. If you've got 300K in the bank, you, you get a chance to give it a go, fail, learn from that mistake, and give it another go, and I think, It's a problem. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not. not, My point by investing up to 150 was about affordability for me. Not this is how much you need to survive. Um, So, uh, in answer to your question,
1: yeah, I think I I wish startups could raise more money, and it would raise the bar on the quality of the startups that do so. I've heard so much from startups, like just guys founders, just how much time they waste raising cash, right? So, from that perspective, you go and raise half a million instead of 300. Well, now you've got yourself maybe a year, year and a half, or whatever your business is, mm. to really go at it, as opposed to go six months and then mm-hmm. spend three months raising. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You're not working on the business because, you know, fundraising can be a full time sort really of job is, for, yeah. for a founder, which is not always the best resource uh, to spend your, your time. But
0: you're capping your investments yeah. at one hundred and fifty. Yeah. But you're different because you're providing an environment and overheads and that kind of thing.
2: Uh, so no, we're, we're different because we appreciate that the round shouldn't be just 150. We appreciate we're gonna share that deal, right? So if someone comes to us and we think they've really got something interesting there um, and they say we're raising just 150, I'd probably encourage them to raise double that and let me help you introduce it to other angels or early early stage investors, um, seed funds, so that you've got a longer runway.
0: Okay, cool. All right, moving on to our Silicon Real checklist. Um, if you had to sign a non-compete uh, right now for your industry, which I guess is seeding in any other company that you're currently involved with, mm-hmm. and then someone gave you 20 million pounds, what would you do with it? As in, what new area would you pursue uh, that you find kind of interesting right now?
2: So if I had uh, 20 million uh, dollars or pounds in this space, I would um, double down on this startup studio content. I think uh, having in-house talent and looking for external talent is really interesting right okay. now. There's a little bit of a, a, a nod in the valley towards the, uh, the terms called the operational VC, where the, those old-school big VC firms that manage big sums of money have a bit of a team in-house to, to kind of help steer their um, companies. Um, and I think uh, that it's, uh, it's try- something we're going to see far more over the next 5, 10 years, and that's what I would do.
0: And what if you couldn't? What if you couldn't be in your industry and you had to do something completely different? Do
2: something different- completely different? Well...
0: You'd be devastated, I can see that.
2: <laughs> I, 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 if it wasn't in the tech space, I, you know, it would be something commercial, right? I just The the thought of getting off my ass and my hard work actually bringing the buck in is, is much more interesting to me than doing that for someone else. And so it would be, you know, it would be entrepreneurial, but maybe not using technology, maybe not as scalable, but, you know. I don't know maybe a fish and chip shop down the road or something
0: but food tech is big yeah. food startups <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. is there something in the past where you could see like that you've like you know uh, mistakes that you've made when you were kind of being this cedar type things where you didn't give these guys enough of your time or you're like i really should have set those guys up with you know better overhead or less interference or is there something you saw in the past where you really fixed about the way you do business
2: yeah it, it's interesting it's like i one of the early angels in the Tech space, but to me, it still feels like I have only just started doing it. Um, so I, I'm still, still digesting kind of what I've done well and what I've done badly. Um, I think the time in LA when I was away was really interesting because it allowed me to look at what I'd done and look at, and you, you know, it's, it's obvious when you look at something far too closely, you can't, you can't get any uh, insight into what's what's happening. That you need to kind of step away. And the time in L.A. was really interesting because it's more on a personal note because it was like, okay, there's investing things. Awesome, love it, but actually I want to build something as well. So how do I figure that out? Um, but I I haven't really um, taken the time to look at our process as in how we're helping companies. I think maybe subconsciously we've realized that we could be helping more tangibly, i.e. rather than just talking to them about something, we could be doing it for them, right? Which is... Why maybe why we're setting up the studios? Like, it's, it's another thing about fundraising is finding talent for your startup. It's difficult. You pay lower than anyone else. So if you want really good people, you need to, you need to be really persuasive. Um, so you know, the, the 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 my thoughts there are is if you can access really good talent via your investor, that's really interesting. Um, that's one, and the other one I think is we have, you know, you know, I was um, alluded to it earlier where. Fundraises were getting lower and lower and lower. And as an investor, that's, you can kind of fall into the trap where you think, right, I'm gonna get more money if it's a smaller round and the valuation's lower. Um, and that's definitely something that I, we've stopped, is like we've actively encouraged good startups to raise more money. Um, but I, Whereas previously, I was falling into the trap of the market saying, you, you, you're gonna struggle to raise 300, you're gonna struggle to raise 400. My advice is raise a little bit more because it's achievable, but but now I'm, you know, Spreading the gospel that uh, good investors should be encouraging bigger rounds for good teams. So I think those are two interesting things that
1: um, over the year and a half, two years of investing that um, we've done wrong. How about as like a mentor? What's the biggest mistake you see in, in sort of the founders of yeah. the companies you invest in?
2: I think the biggest mistake a mentor can make is because you sometimes have these young guys, young, impressionable guys is the biggest mistake you can make is you, that you know all the answers because you don't, right? I might be good at uh, sales and partnership marketing and help with fundraising, but uh, who says I'm the best guy to figure out what your business model is or what the, your pricing strategy should be? And I think there's, a, a pr- there's not, because there's not enough experience in London of people building and scaling large tech, technology companies, the quality of the mentoring is not fantastic. And I think the one way to improve that until there's more knowledge in the ecosystem is for people to be more honest about what they're genuinely um, uh, allowed to have an opinion on and where they should say, you know what, here's an opinion, but I'm no expert. And I think we've been, we've been really honest about that from the start about look um, we are going to help you, but it's much more as a sounding board, not as the expert as, uh, someone that's always had kind of the, not i I've never really had a mentor, but there's always been someone um, within the company that's kind of been more uh, mature, been around this uh, more than we have. Um, and I've always just really appreciate bouncing ideas off them. And um, especially if you're a solo founder, not having a co-founder to bounce ideas off is really tough. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of try and play that role for solo founders.
0: You know, the the tendency in the US is to overwork, maybe in Canada as well. It's like, you know, you're in Silicon Valley, you're working 120 hours a week, I want you on your Blackberry 24 7. You know, and, and, and it's even been argued that the productivity goes way down in the States when that happens. I've found that it seems to be a little more relaxed when it comes to London and the startups, as in you don't expect people to be there at 10 at night, you know, doing the burning the mid- midnight mm. oil. But, or do you? I was wondering, which kind of guy are you? Do you go sometimes out to the cedars floor, and no one's there on a Sunday and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you know money's burning, fixed costs are, are ticking away.
2: Yeah. Um, I, think it's, I think the startups in London have been... Have Following the trend of how people work in London, it's like it's from all accounts. New York is nuts; like people work really long hours, and it's unusual for someone to walk out of the office at six o'clock in New York. Whereas in London, it's pretty normal for everyone to leave the office at six and go and have a drink and then go home. Um, And I've been a big advocate of you know working smart and breaking up your day. but then you know I'm like Jekyll and Hyde on that one myself. It's like sometimes I'm like I need to work, need to work longer, harder hours, and then sometimes I'm like, let's break this day up and, and be a bit smarter about this. So uh, the, I'm I'm not shouting at people for not, not not being there longer hours. It's at the end of the day, it's what you knew, not how long you work at it, right? And so we're looking at what's achieved rather than the effort taken to achieve it. Um,
0: it's a fine line, though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
2: But but we're not that you... closely involved where we're you know we're we're checking. Checking out what you know, time people turn weapons. up. Yeah, yeah, we're not. We don't know what people, time people turn up. What time they don't. However, kind of more on a, on a on a macro level, if things aren't getting done, then you know let's let's have a chat about yeah. the problem you're having in that area.
0: Yeah. Are your offices in the building? The same building
2: as some of the startups? Yeah. As
0: well, number one seed, like that four story. Are you there? Oh yes, yeah. Okay. we're in, the, we're in so the. So you are watching.
2: So we are. How,
0: how many we, of your companies are, are in, in the building? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I. So it. 11, but that's because I've invested in, I'm an LP in tech stu- the Textiles Accelerator, okay. um, but you know, I hold like point zero 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 two percent in all of the companies that go through that program. So it's not like uh, I, I'm remotely important to any of these startups. No. Um, any of the startups that I've invested more money in, none of them are in the building currently. Um, but a couple of them are thinking about moving in. So that would be interesting.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, um, it would be. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just move us along here and ask you the uh, another typical Silicon Real question. If you could make the, uh, a phone call right now mm. to the 20 year old Raj <laughs> and um, give him some advice, and it can't be just keep going, Raj, you're doing yeah. great. Um, <laughs> it has to be some real advice. What would yeah. you tell him?
2: Um, that is a really tough question. I think I
1: you got an 11 month old child at home. Yeah, you're gonna have to start giving start advice pretty it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so the advice to myself is like uh, don't lean on that table you might bang your head 20 <laughs> um, year old raj 20 year old raj was, was he, he would he was not particularly mature he would see something shiny and chase it um he didn't he didn't realize he didn't have any understanding of when he would work hard and when he would work hard and like what was motivating him mm. um and so it would almost be a case of just think about what you enjoy and what you're good at and focus on that um i think i was kind of uh, almost aimless like you know i would just stumble across something i was good at and do it you know, kind of uh whereas and maybe uh that that little bit, bit of advice would be concentrate on what you enjoy and what you're good at i think that would be really good advice to 20 year old raj and i think that kind of Started happening for me when I was, you know, more mid twenties, uh, where I just realised that okay, just concentrate on what you're good at, um, rather than trying to be something that you're not. I think it's.
1: I think it's hard to for twenty. You know, you don't always know what you're good at, right? Yeah. So you know, until you stumble and fall and, and sure. be like, "Wow, I sucked at that," right? Yeah. Um, which is also.
2: Yeah. Like so for me, lesson. it was like kind of yeah. always been like, like average to good at a lot of things, but. I had a an inkling of what I enjoyed was really important, and I yeah. and I felt like okay, I can I can write pretty well, so maybe maybe I should look at journalism or something. Yeah. But I, I hated the process of writing, but I could write pretty well. Um, so. Do, do and so you, I do probably like. wasted time. Yeah, do do what you enjoy and what yeah. you're good at. I think that's smart advice for. for
0: and on, on that for, same uh, note, like there's uh, you you must deal with a lot of young uh, young guys mm-hmm. in, in your startups. And for that 20 year old that's listening right now, I mean, what advice do you do you give them if they, for example, one day want to get an investment from Number One Seed or want to be in the Silicon mm-hmm. Roundabout mm-hmm. community? Like, what, what do you tell them if they have one thing to to work on? So or you, focus on? you
2: get a lot of there's a lot of guys that are just guys and girls that just think. That's a really sexy scene, I wanna be a part of it. Yeah. And so they're literally sitting there, tapping on the table, trying to come up with an idea to be part of the scene. Um, and I think that's a wrong way to look at things, right? It should be, back to what I, the advice is like, what are you good at, what are you passionate about? Um, and then if that's a tech startup, awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that would be the advice, like, don't just look at, um, a a lifestyle that you kind of uh, that appeals go back to what you're good at and where um what your passions are and that i I think that's going to lead to a much more fulfilling life rather
1: than just kind of trying to live someone else's dream
0: yeah, it's tempting, you know, it, it does look sexy from the outside, so. Well, look at well, us, we do it, the show.
1: These, yeah, have <laughs> these massive exits, right? I think that's
0: attractive, too, from, like, a 20-year-old. And the so thing right. I oh, joke wow, about, yeah. too, is, like, come yeah. to the Drink About, and you'll find people that are very unique, yeah. they actually enjoy their jobs, yeah. right. or at least they're excited about their mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. And there's something infectious about that, yeah. too, you know. Yeah. Um, cool. Last piece on the advice tip is yeah. um, just best advice you've ever been given.
2: Um, it could, uh, related to startup world, one of the... One of the things that resonated with me was advice from um, a former investor and now a co-investor, a guy called Luke Johnson, famous for investing in restaurants and the food space. Uh, he floated Pizza Express, we all know Pizza Express. Yeah, so big one. One of, the, one of the things he always said was um, what makes a good uh, partnership, as in you know the skill sets of a couple of people that come together to build a business. Um, and that's something that has really resonated with me is because um, I, to this day, and I mentioned it earlier, like guys that do this on their own, I don't know how they do it because you, you're, you can get carried away with yourself and you need a sense check sometimes. And certainly for me, who's like very optimistic and wants to move very fast, I sometimes need someone that's very negative and says, hold on, slow down here. Let's let's think about this before we we go and do that. Um. so um so Luke, uh, it's a bit more old school, and he was like, you know, what, what makes a good partnership is a an accountant and a salesman. <laughs> um, and in the tech world, it's kind of been a, a technical guy and a commercial guy, which is a kind of the relationship, which is, in in some senses, someone that's uh, methodical, logical, um, versus someone who's who can sell and just wants to go to hundred miles per hour. Um, actually, one of the worst pitches uh, someone someone pitched to me, and it's one of the worst pitches ever, but something he said was like one of the smartest things ever it was like so I was saying you know what is your co do you have a co-founder you need a co-founder it's like yeah I have this kind of advisor guy who's um he's kind of like the accelerator to my break I was like that's a really good you know really good piece of advice it, it came back to this what makes a good partnership um and so when it it's applied to my own life where my own working life where I've, I've got this accelerator break relationship with my business partner and it's also informed how I invest because when I'm assessing. Uh, the quality of a team I'm looking at okay who's going to be the accelerator here because you need one who's going to be the break here because you're going to need one who's going to look at the detail today and who's going to be looking at where we're going to be in six months time in the 12 months time um, that was that was a yeah whether it's the best piece of advice it's certainly one that resonated and informed what I do quite, quite a lot
1: what did mm-hmm. I miss what did I miss Colin um, if you could only choose one personality trait the top Personality trait of a of a founder that you want to invest in? What would it be? Mm. Um,
2: drive. Yeah, it's, it, it's funny. We were having a conversation the other day on this uh, on the penthouse, the investor floor wow. in the office, and um, someone swung by the office who wasn't an investor, and there's like a gaggle of four investors just having a chat with this guy. We're talking about good traits for entrepreneurs, and one of one of them that. It's been documented. It's not something. It's, I'm not saying anything new here. But good entrepreneurs often have a chip on their shoulder. They're like they're out to you know they perhaps it's paranoia, but they're out to prove something to the world. Um, whether that's the same as drive, but yeah, that that kind of something where you feel like uh, whether it's you feel like everyone's looking down on you, or you feel like you've got to prove something to certain people. I think um, and which creates a form of drive. I think that's something I'm looking for in in a good entrepreneur.
0: Good, good answer. I'm going to take a question you told me about earlier, um, probably our last question we can do, but one of your um, companies you invest in is Cedars, am I right? And you know this space really well. Yeah. Actually, I'll let you answer the question. You ask the question because it's yours.
1: No, right. I was just sort of talking about you invested in Cedars, and, and in a way it's almost like innovator's dilemma, right? Because they are in your space, and they are... Can you explain my,
0: Cedars' business model real quick? Yeah, so Cedars
1: is just a crowdfunding website. Um, sort of put your business plan online and, and video, and then you let the crowd... Sort of invest,
0: And they get equity, unlike in a lot yeah. of the that's Kickstarters, right. yeah. which yeah. is unique to the UK if people aren't... Mm-hmm. I think it is right now. It's relatively unique globally,
1: yeah, right? I think the
0: much. UK is one of the
1: first sort to of... To open of
2: it up to the extent yeah. where anyone, any member of the public can invest from as little as 10 pounds, that's pretty unique. In the US, you just have the jobs that... part of the jobs that go through, which allows people to um, promote their startup or someone else's startup, but... It, only accredited investors can put money in, not right. not, not just anyone. Yeah, so you have to be. Although technically on Cedars, you have to kind of click a button. Click to a button. That's a, right. Yeah, <laughs> to say, say you're, you're a high net worth or yeah. have a certain level of income. That's true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah.
0: W- so this company you've invested in is effectively going to try to get comp- get other people to invest. In sure.
1: Them. And the goal, I guess, CrowdCube Cedars. Uh, you know, there's a few of them now, but they're they're trying to raise for companies in in the space that you are. So I yeah. thought it was interesting
2: that is you invested a in yeah in one of
0: your or well, what's the difference between the two? Yeah. So yeah.
2: the difference is, and no disrespect to, so the difference is, you know, where I talked about a lawyer or a dentist yeah. that wants to invest in startups. Cedars and CrowdCube are. No, not CrowdCube. Cedars is the way for them to get involved because it it gives them a good cross spectrum of what's in the market. It means that they can do it at a distance, but get get exposure to a lot of different types of companies. Um, and I see Cedars certainly at the level where they're currently able to help fundraising. You know, things may change in the future where, um, as an asset class, it becomes bigger and they are able to raise larger sums of money. Um, but uh, currently, investments on cedars are, are limited to one hundred um, and fifty k it 's no coincidence that 's at the same level as the uh, tax break mm. um, and so I think and this is something that uh, I wrote in that, that same wired article that was quite controversial. The CEO of Cedars came back at me saying hold on i don 't agree that we're we 're lowering the bar but um, what I came back with was that Cedars replaces that friends and family round. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has wealthy friends and family. They can reach out to, to help them get out of their job or build something or get some premises or whatever it is your business needs. Um, and I think certainly Cedars and any crowdfunding platform will get someone that thinks, you know what? That's an interesting idea. Let me, let me, I'll, I'll risk some capital. You know, it's risky capital. We all know that. No one's pretending otherwise. Um, and I think that's where seeders will come in. It's like, we need 20K, we need 50K, uh, or we need 150K. But I'm always going to be investing in bigger rounds or being a part of a bigger round. Okay. And later um, rounds as and well. slightly later yeah. rounds. Okay. So but you are
0: an investor in Cedars. Yes. So you want yeah. them to be successful. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, um, that's Hell pretty yeah. Guys, that's pretty much our time. Um, how do people get a hold of you? How okay. can they yeah. get that email so they can get... Yeah. You're going to have so, so I'm, many I'm, meetings um, after. this. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Twitter's great to get a hold of me. Okay. Um, I have three accounts. And so my personal one is at RajRam76. And then, uh, number one seed, which has most of our following, is going to start sending traffic to our studio, which is uh, at Corner Shop News. Right. Um, so, yeah, start corner following Shop us. Corner Shop News. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we were, yeah. 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 We were looking at the Corner Shop I.O. Yeah, so time, that's earlier. the studio uh, brand.
2: Uh, number uh, one seed will eventually uh, uh, is it on no- the corner. It's it, when we get offices for it, they'll have to be right <laughs> to be, exactly. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bar in Shoreditch called Corner Shop, so we're thinking of having our launch party. There's also a band so called that, Corner Shop, yeah. I love the so we're gonna our try team. and do our launch party for the Corner Shop at the Corner Shop with the Corner Shop Brimful so. of
0: Asha, right? Exactly, yeah. So, of That's a great br- song. Um, I was like, I realized you're not cool in the silicon space unless you have like three or four Twitter handles on your <laughs> Twitter description. Courtney Boyd Myers has like six, yeah. She's like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing. At, at, at. At, 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 I just at, feel at, like I'm just I'm lazy I'm left out I think
1: yeah.
0: you're doing a few things
1: a few things but I don't put them in my thing but I should
0: yeah Maybe you should I'm leaving them out yeah okay um, yeah. uh, in any news for Silicon Real people want to get a hold of us it's just at Silicon Real right yeah
1: tweet at us is the best way uh, to get a hold of us right now and, and again feedback 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 um, this is for you guys so let us know what you want
0: yeah, totally. I mean, this is uh, literally dedicated to the people in the technology startup scene. All we're doing is reflecting what's going on out there. Yeah. And um, I just know everyone likes hearing these stories because you might've, it might have taken you two weeks to get this meeting with Raj. And now you yeah. can get a bit, a bit of a feeling for what it's like. So, yeah. um, and we want to have all sorts of different types of people here. Failures, successes, people in government, VCs, every part of the equation. So, yeah. uh, So there you go. Thanks, guys, for being here. Loved it. Thanks thanks very much. I'm going to
2: recommend many more people to come this way and view it and then maybe be part of it. Yeah, Yeah,
0: wonderful. Okay, cool. Until then, it's about the people. All right, guys. Peace.
2: Living in Nigeria is living on the edge, okay? Um, And every once in a while, you sort of need to sort of take the time out. Even when I was living in London, I did the same thing. I'd just pick up a boat in Southampton and, you know, sail off.
1: So you need that downtime, and I'll use London for that, plus the fact that my wife and kids are here.